Hello, I'm Kate Kinjall, and you're listening to the Remarkableness Podcast, a weekly conversation with remarkable people sharing their stories, experiences, and wisdom. Today, I'm with the remarkable Rosemary Butterworth, spiritual teacher, healer, clairvoyant, and clairaudient. Rosemary is the author of the wonderful book, Moving Forward, Leave Your Thoughts Behind, and has led a meditation group in Sydney called the Academy of Light for the past 23 years, through which she's provided a platform for people seeking spiritual guidance, connection, and a sense of belonging. Rosemary's had a profound impact on many people's lives, and I'm delighted to be talking with her today. So, Rosemary, it's absolutely wonderful to be here with you today. Thank you so much for agreeing to have a chat with me. Um, As I said in my intro, you're a spiritual teacher, healer and clairvoyant. Um, I know you to be an incredibly kind and compassionate person. You give your time and your gentle wisdom um, so willingly to guide and to counsel others. It would be lovely to start on really what are the steps or the chapters that have brought you to where you are today. Um, And if you're happy to share a little bit about your childhood, um, that would be wonderful. Thank you, Kate. Thank you for asking me. I'm thrilled to be here today. And when I look back at my life, it does seem to be written in chapters. And the first chapter that I found very remarkable was when I was 11. Mm. And my mother had sent me to Sunday school because everybody mm. went to Sunday school yeah. in those days. It didn't matter what church it was or what mm. denomination. It was just the nearest one yeah. that you could walk to. Yeah. And I don't mm. know whether mother got a break when we went to Sunday school or not, but we were all set, packed up and sent to Sunday school. Yes. And the minister said this particular time we had to make a decision. And... I was 11 and I thought, oh, what was this decision about? Mm. And you had to, he said, give your life to Christ. Mm. And somehow that rang true to me. And yet I wasn't what you'd call a religious person, Mm. but there Mm. was something in that. So he gave his little card out and we had to fill it in and give it back. The next week right and I took this card home and I remember lying in bed and asking myself do I want to give my life to Christ mm. I had no idea what that looked no. like or what it meant or anything like that mm. but somehow it was really important mm. and I decided yes so the funny thing was next week mm. we were called down one at a time to walk down the aisle to give Mm. our cards back to the minister. Mm -hmm. So when I was walking down, I walked down very slowly (laughs) and handed my card in very seriously to the minister because I expected there to be lights exploding (laughs) (laughs) and all of a sudden Jesus to appear. And to welcome me somewhere into the kingdom, you know, sort of thing. And, you know, nothing happened. (laughs) Disappointing. (laughs) I got down there and nothing happened. And yet the experience changed me Mm. because I had thought of a serious question of what I want to do with my life. Mm. Mm. I wanted to help people Mm. like he helped people. And you were 11 I was 11. Mm-hmm. Mm. I was 11. The next really serious thing that happened 
I was on the beach one day. Mm. I must have been late teens, early 20s or something like that. And all of a sudden I had this passion, this overwhelming passion to help people in my heart while I was looking at the ocean Mm. and probably put me in a state of meditation. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, I've wanted to help people. And then I heard this voice say to me, you have to go to school first. Mm. You have to experience, you have to learn. And that I realized was my first experience of being clairaudient. Right. Mm. That I could actually hear Mm. other realms or other dimensions, if you call it that way. Mm. Or the invisible world, or whatever we like. Well, did, it, was it, did it frighten you? Or was it was it just was it a wonderful experience, or did you oh, just sort a, of accept it as a as a child? You just there's nothing. No, it was mm. a wonderful experience. Mm. To me, mm. it was angels. Mm. Mm. I don't know whether it was or not, Kate, mm. but mm-hmm. to me, it was the voice of angels speaking to me and guiding me. Mm. Mm. And would you believe, at twenty eight, twenty nine, I went to the school of philosophy. Mm-hmm that was a worldwide organisation at Mm. the time and it opened up in Sydney and we learnt many teachings there Mm. probably it was the we were under the auspices of the Shankasharya of the north in India Mm. and so we learnt many things of how to be present Mm. and I used to or after a couple of years, be invited to join the seniors mm. to learn lace making mm. and embroidery and things like this to quieten the mind, Kate. Mm. That's mm. what it was for. Yeah. Because it's only with a quiet mind can you learn to be present, can mm. you experience being present. Yeah. So it was the most wonderful experience and we were initiated into meditation uh, way back in 1971. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's very no. dating, Kate. No. So mm. it was a wonderful chapter in my life mm. going to the School of Philosophy mm. and learning to be present. Yeah, That was the most important thing. Absolutely what it meant to be just in the moment now. Mm. Mm. To learn to feel a cup in your hand when you have a cup of tea, mm. the dishcloth when you're washing up. Mm. Because these days our mind's so busy. Yes. We put things down, we can't find things, we go into rooms, we don't know what we went in mm. there for, we mm. have to retrace yes. our steps. <laughs> There's a wonderful part, I, I'm longing to talk about your book in a little while, which we will do, but just to, about being present, there's a wonderful paragraph in your book where you talk about going into the shower and having four people in there with you. <laughs> Because you're thinking you're having conversations in your head with four different people, yes. as opposed to actually, you know, feeling the water on you and um, feeling the water flowing over your body and just being, as you say, being present. Exactly, mm. Kate. I like watching that when I go into the shower. Mm. How long I can stay present, mm. Mm. or do I go into my mind what I've got to do for the day? Mm. Yes. 
which so, I mean, I would say most of us do. That that's a, it's a thinking time. People even I don't they you know proudly say, well, that's my thinking time, that's as right. opposed to actually yes being present. At that Feeling point. the water on your back, mm. being there, mm. and I have even asked myself during the day, mm. did I have a shower this morning? <laughs> yes, <laughs> because I mm. haven't been present. Mm. It's mm. all being done automatically. Mm. Mm. Oh, it's incredible what the mind yes. gets up to. Yes. Now, like so many people who um, have done extraordinary things for so many others, you've obviously you've had some fairly major challenges in your life, um, including some unhappy relationships at some point. And if you'd be happy just to share a little bit about that, because you talk also about having had a sort of victim consciousness for, for some time. Yes. Always playing the martyr. <laughs> right. Poor me. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I have had um, two, three marriages in t- mm. total. Mm. Um, you could say I got it right the third yes. time. <laughs> well, you have, and you're very happy now. Mm. Very happy mm. for 20-odd years. Mm. But the first two marriages were very difficult. The first gentleman was an alcoholic mm. and the second gentleman I hardly knew only knew him a few months Kate I was so desperate mm-hmm. to get married mm-hmm. because I didn't want to be on my own in my 50s that um, I think I talked him into it <laughs> <laughs> and he um, unfortunately had mental problems mm. and I left my second marriage under police protection because he was going to kill me that day. Gosh. Mm. And he'd have these sort of strange episodes that he wouldn't even remember. And he came to me and he just said, as he put his hands around my throat, I'm going to kill you now. Mm. And it's very interesting because I knew he was. Mm. And because I knew he wasn't there, he wasn't in his right mind at that moment. Right. Mm-hmm. And the words that came out of my mouth, honestly, Kate, were given me by angels. Mm-hmm. They said, But you were the man, darling, that brought me in a cup of tea this morning. And that's incredible when you think you've got a person put his hand around your throat yes. and you can say that. So with those words... It brought him back into the reality of what he was doing. Right. And he let me go and he said to me, run, run, just run for your life. Mm. And I ran out the door and mm. I was able to go to a neighbour mm. and within seconds he was after me. Gosh, right, right. And the neighbour was a very big man mm. and he was able to hold him mm. and the police were called. But story. what was extraordinary, Kate was when I got in my car and I drove away because I was in the country area at the time and Mm. I was going to drive back to my mother's place. I realised something that stood me in such good stead for the rest of my life, Mm. that I had victim consciousness. I had created that situation with those two men because I had victim consciousness Mm. and I had to play the victim. 
And I knew in that moment, if I didn't stop it, Kate, mm. I would end up being killed. And I thanked the men in that moment for playing their role in my story. Mm. Yeah, it's extraordinary, but it's a very powerful and a very... Um well, a very different way to look at it. I don't think. I don't think people, many people, would look at it that way. But that really moved you on to the next to the next chapter of your life. Then it did. Mm. Mm. It did because I wasn't a victim anymore, mm. Mm. and I said to myself, "I will never ever play victim again." Mm. Mm. And if I could, I'd just like mm. to give you an example mm. of me not playing victim. Yes, no, please. When I had met John, mm. my present wonderful husband. We were living in a place that had 39 steps down to the front door. Mm, mm. And it was Thursday night mm. and I'd been shopping. Right. And I had eight bags of mm. groceries in the car. Right. And I remember pulling up and feeling poor me mm -hmm. because I had to carry eight bags of groceries mm. down to the front <laughs> step. Yes. So... As I felt that feeling of, mm. oh, poor mm. me, mm. you know, I'm hard done by, mm. I put four back right. in the car mm. and I carried four down only, two in each hand, mm. safely, mm. instead of tripping with eight bags. Yes. And I knocked at the door and John opened the door and he said, are there any more bags? And I said, yes, love. Four mm. still in the car, he went up and got them. And something else I realised. Had I taken those all those bags down, it would have made him very angry because mm. it would have made him feel guilty. Mm. And I realised that when you play victim, what you're after is anger and energy mm. from the other person. Yeah. So, I mean, that even that little example, I mean, that could have changed the entire way your evening went. And yes. then and then it becomes a pattern, I suppose, as well. So, yes. So, yes. Yeah. So it was such a pattern mm. Mm. that when you play martyr and victim, that you're getting energy mm. from other people. Mm. So there's persecutor, persecutor, rescuer and victim. Mm. Is a psychological pattern that right. you play. Right. If you're not playing persecutor, mm. like I could have gone in and said, oh, I had to carry all those yes. baskets, you weren't there to help, you know, <laughs> sort of thing. Mm. You play rescuer. Mm. And then you play another one like, oh, I'll, I'll cook you a lovely dinner, love, don't you mind, sort mm. of thing, the next mm. night to mm. make up the fact that you <laughs> persecuted them the night yeah. before. <laughs> <laughs> yes. No, so it's a, a nasty little mm. game, mm. sort of thing, mm. those three things. Yeah. So I saw that in that moment, mm. and I've never played it again. Yeah. So you, you break that, you break, you break that, that habit. That habit. You break that yes. Person. Amazing story. Yeah. Mm. And I would love to talk about your book, um, which I absolutely love, and I have I've told other people about it. It's called How to Move Forward and Leave Your Thoughts Behind. Um, and before we actually get started to talk some of the content, you tell the most, I think, hysterical story at the beginning of it, and I would just love you to share. You've got such a great sense of humour. I'd love to, if you wouldn't mind sharing that with our listeners, that would be great, about, about, the, about being a medium. And... <laughs> 
<laughs> oh, look, as you grow, as each step of the way is, is your growth, I became a medium. And some people, when they're mediums, they say to people, look, I will talk to your dead grandmother or something mm, like that. Mm, and I've mm. never been able to do that or never yeah. wanted to do that, put it that way. Right. Mm. So when spirits, if you call them that, mm. want to come through, they find me mm. sort of thing. Mm. And this particular time that you're referring to, that I yes. refer to in my book, was a time that I was pretty tired and John said, oh, I want to take you away mm. for a week's holiday. So I said, oh, gee, that'll be nice. Yes. So we went away to... Tasmania and this is the interesting part Kate because the first place we went to was um, he booked he didn't really know that there was a highway on both sides of the motel right and I couldn't get any sleep <laughs> bit noisy and here I was tired <laughs> yeah. so yeah. he said oh we've got to move from here and mm. he went down to the manager and told the place that his wife was very tired mm. and the manager suggested we go to this retreat right which was like a farm with farm stay cabins right mm. so that was lovely mm. so off we went mm. and we arrived at this little farm stay cabin mm. which was beautiful and we went in and were unpacking when there was a knock at the door. So I went over and opened the door and there was the manageress of the place. And she had a lovely basket mm. and inside the basket was a freshly baked loaf of bread. Lovely, yeah. And she said, hello, my name says Melissa. Mm. And she said, I'm the manageress here and this is your welcoming gift from mm. us. I've just baked it. And I said, oh, that's lovely. But as I looked at her, mm. I went a little bit cold because behind her back was her son and I knew he was dead Goodness. because they appear to me um, sort of like transparent mm. Mm. and he was wearing a blue shirt and blue jeans and things like that and he's gesticulating to me that mm. I've got a message for her. Can you give her a message, please? Right. You know, sort of thing. So... I'm listening to her mm. welcome me mm. and my husband mm. and all of a sudden I say to her, hi, thank you, my name's Rosemary and I'm a medium. <laughs> and with that, John, who was standing behind me, was very embarrassed yeah. and he came up and he said, hi, my name's John and I'm an extra large. <laughs> It makes me laugh every time I hear that. I think that's such a great story. <laughs> and but you did subsequently, you gave the message to her. Yes. And, and she, yeah. Because mm. that broke mm. the ice mm. and then I had to explain. And I asked her, did you, do you have somebody who has died recently? Mm. And she said, yes, his son had been killed in a road accident. Mm. And his message would be wonderful for everybody. Because he was a passenger. Mm. He was only 20. Gosh, very young. Mm. And he was driving. with He wasn't driving. His mate was driving. Mm. And his mate's mother and Melissa were friends. Right. And so his mate's mother had always felt guilty mm. Mm. that her son had killed mm. a friend's son. Mm. And what his message was, can you tell mum, please to tell a mate's mum to forgive him. Mm. 
because she is locking him in a reality that he needs to be free from. Mm. It was like he explained to me that when you're little, your mother sends you to your room. Mm. But when it comes tea time, she goes up to you at least and says, come on out now. Yes, you're, yes, yes. You know, you're, you're a naughty boy, but all right, it's okay now. And she needs to let him out. Right. Mm. She needs to love him mm. and mm. forgive him. Mm. Mm. So that was passed on to her. Mm. And then the two of them started a group to help parents that had lost their children. Oh, how wonderful. Actually, I don't think I knew that part of the no, story. No, I didn't put that so, part no. of the story so in the book. So actually, yes. so you had a huge impact just through that. Yeah, mm. oh, yeah. wonderful. Yeah. And the book, when I first started reading it, you suggested it's like a workbook almost. It's yes. day one, day two, day, you know, day three. And I dip back into it on a regular basis. But really, what struck me as one of the absolute key points in it is that um, we listen to our our lower mind so much of the time or our ego as you put in there and how um, because we pay attention to that we simply stop ourselves from from moving forward um, can you explain a little bit about what the, the lower mind and the way it, the way it works and the way it teases us really and it's the left hemisphere of the brain Kate mm. everything that is programmed or everything that we experience in life goes into the left hemisphere and it's like a computer mm. and so it gives us a answer to our questions mm. but it can only answer us in a way that we have already gleaned information from our peers and our mm. teachers and our experiences, our experiences mm. exactly mm. And it's not even real. Mm -hmm. It's only a collection of experiences that mm. we've had. Mm. So how can our own experiences answer our questions if it's about something we haven't experienced yes. yet? <laughs> <laughs> yes. So what I was told was tell people not to believe a word their mind tells them mm. not a single word and that is so important because it's not anything that would really answer what mm. you need to know mm. Mm. and it chats away to us all day yeah and we think it is us mm. reminding us to do this to do that because we'll say what have I got to do today the moment our eyes open what day of the week it is, what have I got to do, where have I got to go, how do I fix this? And it's usually about how to fix my life. Yeah. To make it the way we want it to look. Mm. Mm. <laughs> and that's not the way at all. Mm. Because it's only somebody's opinion yeah. that we've gleaned or what our parents have told us. So... I had an occasion to have a girl who came to see me who had schizophrenia mm. and she was just out of hospital and she couldn't work yet and she used to get these dreadful thoughts and they were very black mm. and two years later she was 
working full time now and doing so well she was meditating she became a Buddhist and I said to her one day why did you get well mm. what made you well she said your book <laughs> wonderful I said mm. well wait, wait wait a minute wait a minute what, what, what particular part she said it was something you said you know stressing in your book all mm. the time I said well what was that don't believe a word my mind tells me. So I didn't. Mm. I said, right, I wish I could do that. <laughs> <laughs> and it's the level mind versus the intuition. So is that yes. how you look? Yes. So we The intuition mm. comes from your right brain. Mm. Mm. And the intuition is when there's no thinking. Mm. No noise going on. And it's just quiet. And your intuition is connected to your heart, Kate. Yeah. And the scientists are saying now the heart's got a brain. Mm. I don't know, mm. but that's what they're saying. Mm. Mm. And if your mind is just quiet and still, and then the intuition happens. Mm. It's a knowing, Kate. Yeah. It yeah. feel you can feel it in your gut sometimes. Yes. Mm. You just know you've got to ring that person. Mm. You just know you've got to do this. You haven't got to think about it. The thinking might happen after mm. you know something. Mm. Mm. But mm. do I want to do that? Yes. <laughs> That's yeah. your mind kicking in. Yeah. Okay. But always follow your intuition. It'll never lead you astray. Um, yes, I remember you saying that in the book. And mm. um, one of the things that you do for people as a healer is clear blockages. And I always think it's so fascinating that what we think about I think there was an example that you gave where somebody was finding some very difficult to digest a particular situation and the blockage was in her was in her stomach in her gut because it was like her digestive system wasn't working properly Mm. so a lot of our our thoughts and our troubles will manifest ultimately in different areas of the body related to related to what we're anxious about is it that that does exactly Mm. so if you feel unsupported Mm. And you're thinking all the time, I've got to do this, I've got to do this, oh, look, mm. poor me, you mm. know, sort of thing. Mm. Your back will go, Kate. Right. Mm. Because those thoughts will go into your spine mm. and weaken it. Mm. And take, for instance, the gut, as you say. Thoughts go into the cells of the body, mm. right? And when there's an emotion attached to the thought, it sets the thought in that cell. In that cell. So if you don't feel worthy, mm. you don't like yourself very much, mm. that usually goes into the gut area mm. in the cells. That's where I find it. Mm. And therefore you'll start having stomach troubles yeah. because you can't digest your food properly with that there. Mm. And to release those emotions isn't easy. It's sometimes you do need to go and see somebody, mm. but you've really got to understand how nothing that you believe or think like mm. that from the lower mind is true. Yeah, and and it's a, I mean, we can't switch from one day to another and how no. we do that. So in practicing it, what a, what a, some advice and how on how we start 
that program. I mean, obviously, your book is is a fantastic way to do that. To, but if somebody was at home listening now and there were some simple things that they wanted to do on a daily basis, um, I think on that note, I mean, just talking about um, we were talking earlier, just between ourselves, about I said that in your book you say that you no, we don't expect anybody to love you if you don't love yourself. Um, and so perhaps part of that process actually is loving ourselves more. Um, the first thing is to see what you're thinking mm. and what emotion is going on. Mm. Mm. Because thinking with your lower mind will produce emotions. Mm. Sometimes I say, what comes first? Does the emotion cause the thinking or the thinking yes. cause the emotion? Yes. I'm not quite sure. No. <laughs> so when you feel the emotion... Ask yourself, say you're at home and you're washing up mm. and you feel angry, mm-hmm. sort of thing. Where is that in my body? Mm. Where is that emotion in my body? The next thing to do, having located it, is to breathe, Kate. Mm. Breath work is absolutely essential. It's wonderful. It will release so much. Mm. So you take a deep breath in and out and on the release you say I release that anger now may it be transmuted into light I release it now and you really let it go Mm. you can even ask yourself is this true about the situation Mm. Mm. and you'll know it's not it's just your interpretation of that situation I was working with a lady one day who had anger Mm -hmm. and she was angry because a woman at the school, Gates, Mm. a friend, didn't speak to her this day. Mm. She came in and unfortunately, Kate, she always made everything a drama. Right. And Mm. making everything a drama had actually given her breast cancer. Oh, goodness. Yeah. Mm. And this day I said to her, but is this true? Mm. She wasn't speaking to you. I said, did she see you? It turned out she did inquire and the woman didn't even hadn't see even her. Seen her. Hadn't mm. even seen mm. her. And this is another thing the lower mind does. It makes everything personal. Mm. Always thinking about the I. I am sick, I am this, mm. I am that, mm. I am something else. It makes you the centre of the universe. <laughs> Mm. and there's mm. a whole universe out there mm. and you don't even get to experience it yeah yeah you know it's makes your world so small yes exactly mm. so limited mm. Mm. it's it's incredible and another um thing that i learned in your book is actually you know you talk about how important it is to be present and that if and i think it was an example you gave um in that make it if we want if we're constantly looking for what we want what we desire um and therefore um saying we're not going to be happy until we achieve this or we're not going to happy until we achieve that then the universe or whatever it sees where we are or what we think of where we are as being wrong right now and so because we're not grateful i think i'm coming to gratitude and the importance of being grateful for where we are right now right there's a couple of points there mm. And that is true. I don't think we're ever judged by the universe, and it sounded okay, a bit right. judge, judgmental. Okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But it's 
cutting off the universe mm. and cutting off a supply of abundance, mm. cutting mm. off all the things that are supposed to be our birthright, Kate. Mm. Mm. And that brings in the little story mm. that I had that one day I had a bill come in. Mm. And even now I'm saying I had a bill, yeah. you know, sort of <laughs> my company had yes, a bill. Yes. And we were looking for $5,000 to pay it. Right. And my credit card was <laughs> maxed out. Oh, gosh. And I was really upset. Mm. But I remembered that if I really asked the universe, mm. how is this bill going to be paid? Mm. And didn't say, I have to pay this bill, where's the money coming from? You can hear the difference. Mm. How is this bill going to be paid? Mm. So being a healer, I had people coming and I also I promote other people. So mm. I had um, Jerry Bostock, a wonderful Aboriginal healer, working right. that day. And mm. People were ringing, 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 saying, can I see Jerry? And I said, Jerry, you'll have to work through your lunchtime. Mm. So he didn't mind. Anyway, one lady said, can I bring a friend? Mm. And I said, oh, yes, okay. So we had this extra lady there and the conversation went round because there was quite a few waiting to see Jerry by this stage. Yes. And they said, one lady said, you look a bit upset. And I said, oh, well, you know, we all have our troubles sort yeah. of thing, trying to hide the fact that they thought, oh, well, I was a healer, I shouldn't get upset. Yeah. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and I'm very human too, just like everybody yes. else, you yes. know, sort of thing. Anyway, and this friend that had been brought she said I've heard of your work Rosemary mm. and I said oh thank you I didn't even know her name at that stage mm. and she said I'd like to make a donation oh, wonderful and I Rosemary. thought mm. she might make a hundred dollar donation yes. that would help yes me. I was looking for five thousand yeah. anyway. <laughs> yeah. that would help a bit and she said can I write you a check and I said yes of course thank you so much mm. that's lovely mm. And she wrote this check. She said, "Is ten thousand dollars enough?" Oh goodness! Mm. And that's where it, that's where it came from. <laughs> and but I mm. knew in that moment mm. that I allowed the universe mm. to assist me. Yeah, yeah. I didn't say I have to pay mm. that. Mm. If I had have said I have to pay it, mm. the universe, like you're saying, couldn't have come in to mm, my to assistance mm. and to help. Mm. Mm. So I had this check in my hand and mm. my husband said to me that night, is it real? <laughs> I said, I don't know. I'm not sure yet. <laughs> it was three days before I could take it oh, to the bank. Really? Oh, how funny. And it obviously was. It was very real yeah. and very oh. helpful. Yes. We're getting to the end now, but I know that one thing you and I talk about often um, and just going, taking a little, going backwards a little bit to... Um, sense of worth in people and how passionate you are about doing something to help um, younger people in particular. Um, what, can, what do you think we can do to help um, teenagers and, um, and, and younger children to, to grow up with a, with a greater sense of who they are and knowing you know, how, how magnificent they are? There's a lot we can do, Kate. It's a little bit like the other question you were saying about how do you love yourself more. Mm. You don't mm. criticise yourself. Mm. You don't judge yourself. That's unkind. And to tell children that they do 
what they do wrong. So they won't do that anymore. Mm. It's unkind too. Doesn't mm. make them feel safe, Kate. Mm. Doesn't make them feel loved. Tell children what they do right and they'll grow that. Mm. They'll mm. get self-confidence. And they feel safe then. Yeah. Mm. Always tell children that they're safe and they're loved. Mm. Mm. And teenagers help them to stop criticising themselves. And it's very important that they know that they're whole and complete. In other words, they're not stupid. Mm. That they're magnificent too, in their own way. Mm. Mm. Just because they're not going to be a doctor or a lawyer. Even if, doesn't matter what they want to do, that they're wonderful in their own way. Yep. Yep. To develop what makes their heart sing. Mm. Mm. And then we'll all sing, Kate. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and that way um, it, it, helps, it helps every individual then find their purpose because they feel valued and they know they've got something yes. to, to contribute. And as we know that contribution and service is so important, but that comes from having enough self-worth to believe that actually they've got something to give. Yes. Mm. But mm. they won't know they've got something to give unless mm. they're taught mm. not to believe a word they yeah, might tell them. Just telling them. <laughs> exactly. They need to read your book, actually. <laughs> Thank you, Kate. <laughs> so I think we, we've had to we've got so many things that we could be talking about and perhaps I can have you on again on another time. But um thank you so much, Rosemary. I've really enjoyed it. And if people want to contact you, I will put your um your website or email address down and obviously your book is available on Amazon in um, in Kindle version um, yes. and so um, and I'd highly recommend um, anybody to read it so thank you very very much indeed I've really loved talking to you today thank you very much Kate thank I've you. really enjoyed myself Lovely. thank you thank you thank you thank you Rosemary Thank you for joining me on this episode of the Remarkableness Podcast with the wonderful Rosemary Butterworth. If you'd like to contact Rosemary, her details will be available on my website www.theremarkablenesspodcast.com and if you'd like to read Rosemary's book, Moving Forward, Leaving Your Thoughts Behind, which I highly recommend, it's available on amazon.com in digital form. Thank you again for joining me and I look forward to seeing you again next week. <laughs>